Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of the NFL Central Podcast where we took a look at the great sport of American football from over here in Australia. Well, divisional weekend is upon us, the best of the best are at it, the highest stakes upon us, a win and onto Championship Sunday and one win away from the Super Bowl berth and with a loss the season goes down the drain. All that the players, coaches and administrative staff have worked towards was for nothing. Gordo, you certainly I'm sure you enjoy this weekend of football more than any other. I don't know about more than any other, but certainly up there. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's a, four great games we've got to dive into. Aaron Rodgers taking on the vaunted Rams defense. Buffalo and Baltimore, two of the more exciting offenses in the league. Kansas City hosting Cleveland, who are hoping to do what the Titans did last year, of course, and get two back-to-back road playoff upset victories. And Tom Brady and Breeze for almost certainly the last time ever battling uh, to close out the weekend's action. Before we get on to... The games, we're going to take a quick look through the news, the coaching news and general manager news in terms of firings and hirings over the past year. And I think the most important bit of news, Gordo, and there was the somewhat surprising firing of Doug Peterson uh, announced on the January the 11th. Peterson, 42 and 37 in the regular season and one uh, of his five years in Philadelphia, four and two in the playoffs, including that Super Bowl run in, in 2017 and, and made it back to the playoffs uh, in the following two years. But a 4-11 and one season, had his job on the line and his decision uh, to start Jalen Hurts above Carson Wentz and the um, the weakening of that relationship there uh, was too much for Jeffrey Lurie uh, and Howie Roseman. So uh, he will no longer be coaching in Philadelphia going forward. And, and they're on the uh, they're on the search for another head coach. Gordo, do you think Peterson's been made a bit of a scapegoat here, or do you think he deserved to go? I feel like. <laughs> Based on what I've heard this week, it feels like the Eagles had a choice between Peterson and Wentz, and they've chosen Wentz for whatever reason. I don't know why, considering how badly he played this year. But, yeah, it just feels like from everything that's been said, it feels like it was a choice between Peterson goes or Carson Wentz goes, and they've decided, no, we've got a problem. I think as well, a lot of it came down to that Week 17 game where he benched the Jalen Hurts for Nate Sudfeld. And it feels like then he might have upset a lot of the players. There were reports coming out that uh, the players were really annoyed with that and it seems like he sort of lost the locker room there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a fair point. Uh, a lot of news about internal divisions. Peterson wanting to uh, press Taylor, the quarterback's coach, wanting to um, promote him to offensive coordinator, perhaps people in ownership wanting to look elsewhere, couldn't come to an agreement on that. Perhaps that was part of it. And yes, the quarterback point is um, very relevant there. It'll be interesting to see what the new head coach does going forward with Hertz and, and Wentz both there. Is Wentz still on the trade block? We'll have to see about that. Um, and of course, Philadelphia, with Jim Schwartz letting his contract expire, they're on the lookout for a defense coordinator and possibly an entire staff as well. So uh, quite a big reboot there in, in Philadelphia. So that left us with seven head coach openings. And as we speak to you right now, two of them have been filled within the past few hours. The first of all, there was a lot of news regarding this the last few weeks. And the Jaguars officially have their man, Urban Meyer, the 56-year-old uh, former three-time national championship winner at the college level with a high state in Florida. Urban Meyer has been hired by the Jaguars. Announced uh, on January the 14th, uh, US time. It's a multi year contract. And from what we hear for his coordinator positions, he'll be looking uh, in the college ranks. So it'll be interesting to see. He's got a long leash, uh, Maya, to try and turn things around there in Jacksonville, Gordo. Uh, yeah, definitely. I'm not sure how well this one's going to work out. 
I don't know why I've got this feeling. I just can't see this working. It feels like I'm really not sure. I just have this bad feeling about this hire. I mean, uh, there's reports coming out he wants to get Scott Linehan in as his OC, and I don't see that working at all. Not a name that fills you with confidence. Not based on what he did in Dallas. So, yeah, I, I feel like Urban Meyer might be the right guy to bring Trevor Lawrence along, assuming that they take Lawrence, of course. But I'm not sure how it'll be long-term. Yeah, it's interesting. I... I was a, a candidate for keeping Jay Gruden in the building. Um, went to Jacksonville as the offensive coordinator this year. Obviously, a, a tough gig. Not much talent. Really young quarterback. I would have loved to see what he could have done with him in in partnership with Meyer. Talking talking of Meyer, had success pretty much everywhere he's gone. Bowling Green, two thousand and one, two onto Utah, two national championships at Florida, and then Ohio State. Um, but yes, I think what staff he brings in at DC, of course, there too will be will be very important. And yes, Scott Linehan, one of the most forgetful head coaches, I think, of all time. He had a gig with the Rams back in the late two thousands there. But yeah, interesting to see if he does make it back. Um, part of ways with he was at LSU last year, so that'll be a that would be a nice gig for him to land back in back in the NFL. So yes, a lot of money for Urban Meyer. He's back in. Uh, he's not back. He's never been in the pros. Uh, I feel like it's almost this big splashy high that we've been hearing for all these years. Nick Saban, someone's going to lure him with a massive amount of money, but it seems it's happened to Meyer. Yeah. I feel like Nick Saban is, he's got that history with Miami as well that didn't work out. Mm. So I feel like a lot of teams are hesitant about hiring these big college coaches, but Mm -hmm. I guess this will set a new precedent. If this works, Mm -hmm. we might see more teams do it and more teams go after guys like Ryan Day from Ohio mm. State or other ones you, like that. You so see the names. Fails, Sorry, go on. Yeah, I feel like if it uh, doesn't work out, this could be the end of hiring big college coaches who have so much talent compared to the rest of the competition, mm-hmm. whether it's the talent that's backing them up or whether they're actually good coaches. Yeah, you see Lincoln Riley uh, and Ryan Day and all these names that are always in the head coaching cycle. We don't know if they get interviews, of course, but yes, you're right. This could set a precedent if it goes well. Of course, um, last thing on my last two head coaching gigs, he's had his step away due to health um, reasons. So it'd be interesting to see if that factors in there. Uh, and then the New York Jets, I think one of the most anticipated um, hirings, not least by Jets fans. They've got Robert Sala, one of the big fishers in this year's um, head coaching interviews. San Francisco defensive coordinator did, did such a good job last year, got them to the Super Bowl and, and this year as well uh, with a significant amount of injuries. Uh, the reports, early reports were the Lions were chasing him, but the Jets have got him. And I think if you're a Jets fan, you got to be pretty happy right now, Gordo. Yeah, I feel like this is best case scenario for the Jets. Um, I'm, I mean, obviously, Eric Bieniemy is the best offensive head coach candidate out there, but I feel like Salah, just the way he's led this uh, defense in San Francisco the last couple of years, he's been so good there, not just for his defense as well. His leadership is incredible. There's been multiple players come out and say, yeah, he's a real voice in the locker room. He's not just a, um, a passive DC. He gets involved. And, there's also reports coming out that he's bringing Michael Fleur with him, who's been the 49ers offensive yeah. coordinator the last couple of years, the brother of Matt LaFleur, of course. Yeah. So that's probably going to be into the Shanahan-style offense there as well, which is very encouraging. 
Yeah, that was what exactly what I was going to say. Bringing across uh, Lafleur and some of that offensive staff from uh, Shanahan Trio up there in San Francisco. You look what Lafleur, uh, the older Lafleur, has done in in Green Bay. Uh, I think, as you say, for a Jets fan, you've got to be stoked with that. Uh, that's all at the moment uh, for the head coaching uh, hires. But stand by on that one. Just a quick run through general manager hirings. We saw Nick Casario by the Houston Texans last week. Uh, the Denver Broncos, of course, John Elway in a weird sort of way, promoting himself from the position of general manager. Uh, he stays with the team, of course, and they've hired George Patton, the longtime assistant GM uh, with the Vikings. Six-year deal. Uh, the Lions have hired really an unknown name. I, did, I hadn't heard his name, Gordo. I don't know about you, Brad Holmes, the director of college scouting with the Rams under Les Snead. He's been hired. Apparently had a very good interview for the Lions. Five-year deal and uh, the the reports are that the Seahawks, Seahawks um, VP of Football Operations, Scott Fitterer, is expected to be hired by the Panthers, filling their general manager void there. That appears to be all the hirings. Uh, just a few quick point on coordinators. I think it's worth mentioning Dan Quinn uh, agreed to a deal to become the Cowboys defensive coordinator. We don't know the specifics, but I believe it's a three-year deal and I'm pretty sure we can guarantee it's a lot of money, Gordo. Uh, Jerry, Jerry Jones using luring Dan Quinn to the Cowboys, hoping that he can bring the success back from the uh, Legion of Boom days in Seattle. Uh, very unlike what they had with Mike Nolan last year. Yeah, definitely. Uh, my only worry with that is Atlanta's defense got better when Quinn was fired this year. Mm-hmm. And Atlanta's defense hasn't been good pretty much at all under Dan Quinn. I know he was the head coach and didn't necessarily have defensive responsibilities, but if you're a defensive head coach, you're expecting your defense to play well. And I'm not sure how much of the Legion of Boom era in Seattle was the actual talent that they had on the field compared to what Quinn was telling them to do. So I have a feeling this could backfire on Dallas. The predecessor in Quinn's role in Seattle, uh, Gus Bradley, of course, went and was a uh, failure to be honest in the head coaching role at Jacksonville. Uh, He was, uh, not didn't have his contract used by the Chargers, but he's been snaffled up by the Raiders uh, in their defensive coordinator gig after Paul Gunther was fired, of course. So a big job for him in Vegas there, Gordo, trying to uh, coach up that young defense because really that's what's kept them out of the playoffs the last few years. Yeah, that's probably one of the biggest challenges for the next year to try and get that defense even up to an average level from where they were this year. So... Mm. I'm not sure whether he can do it. They're probably going to have to draft heavily in the defensive area this year, but I can see they've got the young pieces there. Cleland Farrell, Jonathan Abram, Mm. um, Damon Arnett was all right this year at corner. So there's pieces there that can improve that Raiders defense. Yes. And of course, Mike Mayock renowned for his drafting skills. So I believe this will be his second draft with the team. So we'll see how they go there. Um, it's worth mentioning with Bradley, he is one of those coaches who got a coaching job very young in his 30s, didn't work out well. And it'll be interesting to see if he will get that second opportunity if he does well with the Raiders. But I, I feel like they'll be a few years off at the very least. So that's all the news in terms of hirings and firings around the league in the uh, in this week between Wild Cup weekend and Divisional Round weekend. Of um, course, you've sorry. missed uh, you missed Randy Fickner not getting uh, ah yes. Pit- Pittsburgh and uh, there are a couple of other assistant coaches there in, in addition to the uh, offensive quarter Randy Fickner of course been there uh, uh, 2018 I believe it was uh, 
He has been the offensive coordinator there, but a long-time assistant coach in, in Pittsburgh. And you did feel like something needed to change. Pittsburgh known, Gordo, for a long time for being very stable and consistent with the coaches and the assistant coaches they brought around. But obviously on this occasion, uh, heads had to roll, I suppose, after the performance they gave up last weekend against the Browns. Yeah, definitely. I think regardless of what happened last weekend against the Browns, I don't think Fickner would have been back. Unless they managed to win the Super Bowl, I don't think he would have come back next year because I feel like Steelers fans have been calling for this for what seems like forever as well. Their offense, for the amount of talent that they've had over the past couple of years, it feels like it's way underperformed. They can't get a running game going. They struggle. Their receivers drop balls a lot. I don't know how much of that's on the coaching, but it just feels like the offense just doesn't click together at all. Yeah, so OC Randy Fickner, offensive line coach Sean Sauer and defensive backs coach uh, Tom Bradley not have their contracts reviewed. Uh, Keith Butler's staying around as defensive coordinator. Uh, and Fickner's been, uh, he was with Pittsburgh since 2007. I would expect he would get another role, perhaps an offensive, uh, perhaps a, a quarterback's coach, if not an OC. He was the quarterback's coach uh, for Ben Roethlisberger prior to becoming the offensive coordinator. So, yes, uh, movements in the AFC North there. Have I got everything now? Oh, um, did you mention Brian Schottenheimer as well? Oh, I don't think we've gone over that. I didn't. I apologise. So, yes, yes you go. Um, so obviously you've got that. It, Pete Carroll and the Seahawks seem to have cited, uh, what was it? Um, Philosophical differences is the word they love to use. Yes, there you go. Pete wants to run the ball. Schottenheimer wants to throw the ball. And it feels like they're trying to be too conservative again. I mean, they started the season so well letting Russ throw the ball and mm. that seemed like Pete Schottenheimer and it was all working. And then Pete Carroll said, no, we're going to move back to the more conservative offense. We're going to run the ball 20, 25 times a game and everything just shut down from there. Yeah. And he was quoted, of course, saying we have to run the ball more next year and that turned a lot of heads. And then uh, Schottenheimer goes a few days later. I think he would pick up, again, at least maybe a quarterback's or a wide receiver job, if not an OC job somewhere. Um and yes, movements there. And uh, Russell Wilson has been very vocal about how he thinks that he needs to be part of the selection of the new OC in Seattle. And it's crucial going forward. Of course, Schottenheimer was there for, for three years. Daryl Bevel preceded him in that role. Uh, and one other one, Chuck Pagano, the Bears defensive coordinator, came in in the 2019 season, took over that uh, defense that Vic Fangio had, had done such a good job with. Uh, they weren't as great, but they were still a top 10 defense under him. Uh, two eight and eight seasons of playoff berth, and he's retiring uh, at the age of 60. Former head coach with the Colts, of course, had that famous cancer battle, led them to an AFC championship in 2014, the Deflategate game. Uh, great friend of Bruce Arians there, was the interim coach during that year. So he's retirement, and for Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, who, by the way, are staying around, reports out uh, from Bears ownership that they will keep on to the head coach, general manager duo for another year. Uh, they're also now on the lookout for a defensive coordinator. And I don't know about you, Gordo, but I think that's a big, big uh, job for them because at the moment their defense is the only thing that's saving Matt Nagy and, and Ryan Pace's jobs. Yeah. I saw a couple of articles during the week saying Chuck Pagano is the scapegoat for this. And it feels like the Bears are saying, oh, okay, this is the issue that needs to be fixed. And they're overlooking the fact that Matt Nagy, he – one coach of the year in his first year, but he was carried by that Fangio defense. And since then, everything's gone wrong for them. 
I don't think they've done enough this offseason. I really don't think Nagy's the answer next year. I don't think Ryan Pace should be around for another year, but they're keeping them for whatever reason. Look, it's and tough to see a GM go and the, the head coach who he selected stay, but I really think that's what should have happened. I think they should have got rid of Pace, given uh, Matt and Nagy one more go with you know uh, a different GM. And but the quarterback position is really what's haunted haunted not only Nagy but that uh, but that fan base for so long. I mean, you look at their own their Super Bowl victory back in uh, nine eighty five. Jim McMahon, not much of a quarterback. It was always the defense. And it's Brian Urlacher days in the early 2000s. It's always been the defense in Chicago who's getting it done. Um, they just haven't had a good quarterback. They had the chance to draft one. They drafted Trubisky. And look what's they got what's got them there. Yeah, it, I think it's a long road back to contention again, again for the Bears, personally. Okay, that's all the hirings and firings and everything going on with the coaching and the GM trackers at the moment. So now it's time for a little game. We played on Monday uh, our... Quarterback, remaining quarterback in the playoffs, the eight of them left rankings. And now we're going to do the same thing with the head coaches, Gordo. So we're looking at Sean McVay. We're looking at Matt LaFleur, John Harbour, Sean McDermott, Andy Reid, Kevin Stefanski, Sean Payton, and Bruce Arians. I presume you'd like to go first later when we're drafting the uh, divisional games because, of course, your team is playing. Uh, I presume that's the case. Uh, yeah, all right. So sure. I'll go first with this one then if you're going to go first with that one. And it's yep. pretty obvious, be my favourite coach in the league for a long time, even when Bill Belichick was in the playoffs. I'm taking Andy Reid. Um, yes, playoff heartbreak in the past, not really as much with Patrick Mahomes. The only game they've lost in the playoffs with Patrick Mahomes was that AFC Championship in 2018 against the Patriots when they didn't get to see the ball in sudden death. overtime. I mean... I think he's in the box seat here to win a second championship. Only seven coaches have won two championships. Uh, 15 and one record this year for the Chiefs is the best by any, sorry, the 14 and two, I should say, apologize. Record is the best that uh, any team under him. And, you know, they've got a competent defense under Spagnolo. Uh, he's only 62. I think he'll be coaching for years to come. And I think he'll be coaching deep into the playoffs for years to come. Uh, uh, yeah. What do you think, Gordon? Uh, yeah, I think that's the obvious number one choice. Um, all those myths or all those, I don't know if I'd call them myths, but all the things about him, oh, he can't manage a clock, he chokes in the playoffs. I think they've been dispelled in the last couple of years. Everyone's mm. realised just how good of a coach he is. Yeah, and I think there's one little nugget. You might have seen this on social media. If the Chiefs beat the uh, the Browns on Sunday, they'll be hosting the AFC Championship for the third year in a row. That's never happened in the AFC, and it's happened once in the NFC. And Andy Reid was coaching that team, the Philadelphia Eagles, from 2002-2004. So, uh, admittedly, it's a bit of a niche stat, but yes, three hosting three AFC Championships and, of course, three NFC Championships uh, in a row. He certainly knows what he's doing, and I think he's certainly a Hall of Fame coach. So, your pick, Gordo. Yeah, um, this is a difficult one. I'm, I'm probably going to go with Sean Payton just because he's got the history, and the other great young coaches here, Lafleur and McDermott, don't have the experience in the playoffs. That's the only reason why I'm going Sean Payton here. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, obviously he's got his team to the playoffs the last three or four years. They've choked a couple times, sure, but. He's still a great coach and he's been good enough. I mean, he hasn't been great enough to get Drew Brees to more than one Super Bowl, but still winning one is impressive. He's got the track history. I think Sean Payton's the easy second choice here. Yeah, I think 
the key point with Peyton is you look at the Saints before he got there. I mean, uh, this year was the seventh division title under Peyton, uh, nine in their team history. It was their ninth playoff appearance, 14 in their team history, and he's got their sole title. I mean, I think each of the last four years, he sh- could easily have won coast of the year, overcoming adversity last two years, not having Drew Brees for a portion of time, still winning the division. You know, we could look at him a lot differently if his team, for example, two years ago when they lost that game with the phantom DPI call against the Rams in the NFC Championship game, they win that game, they get to the Super Bowl, they win. We could talk about yeah, we could be talking about Sean Payton as better as above Andy Reid in these rankings. Um, but, you know, that hasn't happened. So uh, he's number two for now. I think it's a good choice. He would have been my two. Number three, uh, I'm not going to go with two of the young guys. I'm going to go with another more experienced coach, John Harbaugh from the Ravens. Uh, I saw a tweet earlier today. It's his eighth, the last Sunday's win in Tennessee was his eighth road playoff victory. Something especially in his early days as a head coach in the Ravens, hired in 2008 Harbour. His teams were very good at going on the road in the playoffs and getting wins. I remember they upset the uh, the Titans one year. They won the road in Miami. They won the road in Pittsburgh. Uh, they're good at that. It's more it's more they have troubles at home. You saw last year with that with that Tennessee game. Um, so, yes, he's got the most road playoff victories by any coach in NFL history. He's got an 11-7 and record in the playoffs. He's got a Super Bowl nine playoff appearances in 13 years and he's got one losing season to his name. Gordo. I mean, I, I think he's a great coach. Yeah. Um, I feel like the Ravens are a model of consistency in his mm-hmm. time, even in their down years, they still haven't lost excessively. They've never been bad enough to get like a top 10 pick. Mm-hmm. He's been so good for so long for the Ravens. And mm-hmm. even though they sort of stagnated after winning, after winning that Super Bowl. They still, they're still good enough to compete every year, even with Joe Flacco when they had him. And now, obviously, he's got Lamar, so that pushes him to another level. But, yeah, he's a very, very good coach. Yeah, the Ravens, two head coaches since 1999, Brian Billick uh, and him, both with Super Bowl titles. So you're correct, a, a really stable franchise. And I think uh, when you look at some of the other franchises in the AFC North, Cincinnati and Cleveland, they should really look towards the Ravens and the Steelers as being real models of consistency. Uh, pick four is yours. I'm going to take Sean McVay. Yeah, good I pick. think um, in his four years in the league, he's already starting to create his own coaching tree, it seems. There was a period there where every coach being hired seemed to have had some sort of connection with him. Um, he's incredible offensively. I mean, he's somehow got an offense led by Jared Goff to this part of the playoffs. He took Jared Goff to a Super Bowl. He's He knows everything there is pretty much to know about offense. And he also knows enough to let his defense be controlled by someone that's not him. He doesn't try to have a part in that area of the game. So I feel like he's, even though he's still so young, he's got so much experience behind him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's interesting. He had the... Uh the know-how the know how to bring in Wade Phillips as an experienced defensive coordinator when he first got to LA. They got to a Super Bowl. Uh, they won a couple of division championships. They have not such a good year last year. He's got the guts to get rid of Phillips, bring in uh, Brandon Staley um, as a younger man who doesn't have much experience in the role and look how good their defense was, the top ranked in, in, in most categories this year. Uh, the youngest man ever to lead a player, a team to play out three playoff appearances. He's still 34. It's amazing. Um, 
uh, and you know you're, you're exactly right covering perhaps subpar or questionable quarterback play with uh, his ability to scheme and draw up plays a bit like Andy Reid in that sense um yeah he's a good coach and I, and I think you've got him correctly positioned there at number four for number five we are down to the well three out of four or more junior coaches now I'm going to take Sean McDermott I think it was close between him and, and Matt LaFleur but I've gone for McDermott I think he is a defensive guy, but when it comes to a head coach, you consider all parts of the football team. I think Brian Dayball's a good, a very good hire. Um, of course, that was he, he came in the second year under McDermott 2018. That's a great hire. Um, the offense, the meteoric rise of, of Josh Allen there, uh, but even just turning what was a really an irrelevant franchise for so many years into a well, what I think is a powerhouse, an AFC contender for years to come. I mean, nine and seven in his first year, their first playoff berth in two decades almost. Uh, Ten and six last year, they got their first AFC championship since the 95 this year and their first playoff win. Uh, look, I think he's done amazing. I, I think it's hard to see anyone doing a better job over over four years as, as what McDermott's done up in Buffalo, Gordo. Uh, yeah, definitely. It feels like for as long as I could remember before McDermott got there, yeah, they were just... Yeah, they were irrelevant, pretty much. I mean, no one wanted to go there. There was a whole thing uh, with Antonio Brown, pretty much, where he said, no, I'm not getting traded to Buffalo. And he essentially vetoed that trade where Pittsburgh were going to send him there. And he just said no, because he didn't want to go to Buffalo. But yeah, Sean McDermott's managed to turn that franchise around. He, he's gotten to the playoffs three out of his four years. And the one year he didn't, I think they still overachieved. That was a terrible team in 2018, and they somehow went six and ten. Yeah. So he's done everything right that he could have up in Buffalo. Yeah, I think the the fans, Bills Mafia, there's a lot said about them in the media, and I think they absolutely deserve some good times after selling in the wilderness. I mean, you look back, um, coaching history, I know too much about, but you, you look back at those some of those Bills coaches, Wade Phillips. Uh, Greg Williams, of course, who's now better known as being the Saints uh, and Jets defensive coordinator. Dick Giron was there. Chan Gailey, uh, who resigned as Dolphins OC in the last week, by the way. Uh, Chan Gailey coached there for a few years. They had Fitzmagic. They had Doug Marone. They had Rex Ryan. They were really searching for some kind of identity, and, and he's bought exactly uh, exactly what they needed. Um, another another branch on the Andy Reid coaching tree there. Uh, Gordo pick six is yours. I've got a feeling where you're going. Yeah. Um, I've got to take Matt LaFleur here. Um, I mean, it's between him, Stefanski and Bruce Arians and Stefanski technically still hasn't coached a playoff game yet. So I'm taking Matt LaFleur. Uh, obviously he's one and one in the playoffs up until this point, but he's got a 26 and six regular season record over two years in green Bay. And, I think there's only one other coach in history that's ever done that. I can't remember exactly who it is. George Seifert at the Niners, I yeah. believe that is. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. So just everything LaFleur has done since getting to Green Bay has been great. Um, he's got Aaron Rodgers back playing like Aaron Rodgers. Um, the defense under Mike Pettin's improving as well. And LaFleur is encouraging that. And yeah, he's got the offense back to a more modern style of offense. He's, he's able to scheme players open just everything about what LaFleur has done in Green Bay has been impressive. Yeah, it's interesting. When he, when he got hired, I'm, a few people, including myself, were kind of thinking, oh, you know, offensive coordinator in Tennessee. They went 9-7 and seven that year. They didn't make the playoffs. It seemed like a hire out of nowhere. But again, that Sean McVay tree. Um, sorry, is it, is it Kyle Shanahan tree comes from, isn't it? 
Yeah. Yeah, Shanahan tree. Sorry. Uh, well, and McAfee is also from underneath that. But, yes, yeah, so um, what he's done in the regular season, as, as you mentioned, uh, has been great. What we need now is playoff success. If they get to a Super Bowl, I think you'll find he, he's moving up these rankings. Uh, last two. I'll take Bruce Arians. Um, one of the more entertaining and I think lovable coaches in the league, at least from my perspective, Bruce Arians. He's not afraid to uh, say, you know, what he's thinking. He's not a very... trying to think of a good way to say he's someone you'd like to have a beer with. I think he's, you know, he seems a nice bloke. He's genuine and he knows how to coach football. I mean, he's got a very distinct style. He's not a big fan of running the ball. That game against where they lost 38 to three against the saints, they ran the ball. Was it three times all game? Uh, yep. And then one more. In the deal five, five times. Yeah. Was it? Sorry. I, I over-exaggerate. Um, but yes, he likes the deep passes. I mean, that's what he got him fired in Pittsburgh, not protecting Big Ben enough, just asking him to roll back and throw it and play after play after play. But he's had success, a couple of Super Bowls with the Steelers. He goes on Indianapolis over to Arizona. That was a really fun team, that Carson Palmer to watch the 20, uh, kind of 14, 15 teams there. That, that playoff game against Green Bay, I'm sure you would know it. Uh, uh, Gordo was one of the best playoff games I've ever seen live in my life. Oh, definitely. A, that was... He has a few years off. He... he into the media he didn't really feel at home there he comes back to tampa bay and look i think we can really say tom brady is is probably more than bruce arians why this team is in the playoffs um i honestly don't think he'll be around for too long i i think if they get knocked out of the playoffs this year maybe next year could be it i really think he's got some successes todd bowles byron leftridge among others waiting in the wings i don't think he's there for the long run which is understandable he is 68 the second oldest coach in the league um I think it would be great if he could ride off into the sunset. Um, I mean, it's possible with Tom Brady at quarterback. With this team, I think anything's possible. Um, but, yes, I've got him seventh. Yeah, I feel like he'll be done when Brady's done. I don't know if he'll coach without Brady as his quarterback from here on out. So, yeah, I, I've never been a Bruce Arians fan. I mean, he's only ever got the one playoff win. And, I mean, he's been good, but... I just don't think he schemes to the talent that he has with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at it this year, particularly in the early part of the year when he was scheming everything uh, deep passes, and that's not what Brady's strength is. And there was all the talk, oh, he's not doing right by Brady. He's not giving him the right game plan. And he sort of changed that second half of the year. And the offense is now more just underneath stuff than letting Brady read a defense. But I'm still not sold on him. Yeah, you've got a point, um, certainly with... Uh, scheming and thinking about the talent he has in front of him and what plays are suitable for that. But I would defend him at Arizona. His first year, he was, if my memory serves me correctly, 10 and six, they missed the playoffs. The next year, 11 and five, something like nine and one with Carson Palmer gets injured with the knee. Uh, Drew Stanton comes in. Drew Stanton, the backup starts a few games, then he's injured. Then Ryan Lindley comes out. Uh, One of the more insipid playoff performances they were at the seven, eight and one uh, Carolina Panthers as a wild card. They didn't win, I think, with Carson Palmer. They win, and then the next year, finally, they go thirteen and three, the two seed. Uh, they host the Packers. They win that. That well, Aaron Rodgers was amazing in that game, and then Ryan, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, um, you know, overtime. We just mentioned it before. What a great game! And then, of course, they got beaten by that Cam Newton fifteen and one Panthers squad in the championship game. But yes, uh, he has yet to have significant success in the playoffs. Uh, he's got to win. Last week, and we'll, we'll talk about it later, whether or not he's got any chance of getting a win this week in New Orleans. Uh, pick eight, there's only one guy left. Thoughts on him, Gordo? Kevin yeah. Stefanski. 
I mean, when Kevin Stefanski's your eighth pick, you know, you've got a bunch of good coaches here. He's been so impressive this year mm-hmm. with Cleveland. Um, you look at what they had last year with Freddie Kitchens and then compare it to this, and it's just such a big difference. Um, you look at it, he's allowed Baker Mayfield to play to his strengths. He's brought in that play-action game based off a strong run game with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, who's easily the best duo in the league. He's got that, that offense rolling, and you can just see that the future's bright with Stefanski. I don't think Cleveland's going to go one and done this year or win the playoff game this year and then just fall apart afterwards. I think they're set up for long-term success now. Yeah, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but Freddie Kitchens had largely the same personnel as Kevin Stefanski had. Um, it was very similar, yeah. It just shows you the difference in the ability as a leader, as a play caller, uh, and as a, as a head man. I mean, well, 11 and 5, their first playoff berth in 2002, first playoff victory since Bill Belichick days in Cleveland. I think a favourite for coach of the year. Um, obviously, you're right. He didn't coach that playoff game. That was Mike Prefer, the special teams coach. But, yeah, certainly success in Cleveland and really it could be there for many, many, many years to come. Okay, that was our head coach rankings, the eight head coaches remaining in the playoffs. And now that we've done that, we'll actually go on and preview these games. Draft style again. Gordo, your team's playing. As the rules dictate, you get to pick first. Yeah, um, obviously I'm going to take the Packers-Rams game. I think this is probably going to be the best game out of the four of them for the weekend. I, I mean the number one defense in the league versus the number one offense in the league. And I'm not sure how it's going to turn out. I mean, you've got, uh, I think the marquee matchup here is obviously Jalen Ramsey and Devontae Adams. I mean, yeah, Ramsey, first team, all pro Adams, first team, all pro, both probably the best at their position. It'll be interesting to see if Ramsey can actually shut Adams down because he's Adams has shown all year that he can get open against double coverage. So whether Ramsey can single him or not, that I think that's going to be the key part to this game. Yeah, I think it's a testament to how good these games are that I actually had this game fourth in my rankings um, and you've got it first. It's certainly yeah, an exciting I, go on. I feel like the Rams offense has to show up Spot for on. any chance to win this game. I mean, the Rams defense is obviously good enough, but even if they hold Rogers to 20 points, I'm not sure if the Rams offense can put up that much. And that's exactly why I had it fourth. I think it could be closer than some of the other games, but I, I'm not excited by this Rams offense. I know Jared Goff played well. I don't back him to play well two weeks in a row. They're a hot weather team or warm weather team. I should say they're up in green Bay. It looks like it could be freezing conditions. Aaron Rodgers doesn't lose very rarely loses. Um, when it's cold in Lambeau in January, of course, we could go back to that, um, that Giants game in 2011-12 playoffs. Um, what you said, I think, is very key about Ramsey and Adams. But then I think I think even if Ramsey wins that battle and Adams has, what, one catch for seven yards, all the other weapons, the way, the way I see it, Robert Tonyan's a great example. He could he could easily go out there and catch three touchdowns, you know what I mean? Um I think they are a good secondary. And then, of course, Aaron Donald is a massive feature. Uh, I don't know what news you've heard about him, Gordo. If he is playing, it's a big boost for that defense, of course, in stopping the run. But there's a large possibility that if he's playing, he will be playing hampered by injury. And whether or not that impacts his play, I think, is key for this defense. Uh, yeah, he practiced fully the last couple of days, so he's absolutely going to play. But That doesn't I mean that he's at full strength. Oh, no, he's yeah. probably not. He's yeah. going to be 
on a lot of painkillers, I think. And mm-hmm. a rib injury as well can really affect your breathing. Mm-hmm. So if the Packers do manage to run the ball successfully, I think he's really going to struggle. I think the big key here is the Packers have the first team all pro center as well. And Corey Lindsley, who mm-hmm. is underrated all around the league, but he's been really good this year. And I think he and Elton Jenkins have the ability to shut down Aaron Donald completely. Yeah, did I see a news article about an offensive lineman who uh, who played for the Colts last year in the wildcard round and then has been picked up um, uh, off the waivers by uh, the Packers to play in this, uh, play in this divisional round? Have you heard about that? Uh, yeah, Jared Veldier uh, mm-hmm. played for the Packers. The, the Packers signed him before the playoffs last year. He came in, started the divisional uh, round. His Belaga was out hurt. And then, so the Packers signed him this year after the Colts lost, and then he tested positive to COVID yesterday. Oh, so, yeah, sadly, there was all. Yeah. Uh, they've come up with no close contacts or anything, but he's out for the weekend and probably longer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that is the first game. I think I think uh, we we've covered that nicely. It is that matchup. Uh, we didn't uh, talk a lot about that Mike Pepin uh, Green Bay defense. It really is about whether or not LA's defense can limit uh, points scored by Green Bay and. Having done so, uh, keep them in the game, to be honest. That is, of course, the first game of Wildcard Weekend, uh, 4.35 p.m. Eastern Time in uh, America. Uh, so that's, what is it, 8.35 a.m. on a Sunday in Australia. Nice time slot there. Um, the next game is my pick. It's a really tough one. I'm, I'm going to take... Cleveland at Kansas City. Uh, it may not look like the most attractive game. People might look at this and think, yeah, Cleveland were great last year. Um, Cleveland were great last, sorry, not last week, last week uh, in Pittsburgh, but Kansas City will run over them. And, you know, we've discussed this many times in the show before. Kansas City have a habit for falling asleep for three quarters and then waking up for one quarter on offense. I can certainly see this happening in this game. Uh, both defenses aren't very good. I think we'll see a lot of points scored. Look, I, I think Kansas City will win. I think they'll win by two scores. I just think it's a question of uh, when they score all their points, to be honest. Yeah, I think that's what it feels like. Um, this Cleveland defense is not good. Um, they're getting Denzel Ward back this weekend from the COVID list. But I think even with him, the Kansas City offense, they're the number one passing offense in the league. Cleveland is the 11th worst passing defense. So... I just can't see a way that Cleveland holds Kansas City to a low amount of points. I think Kansas is putting up at least 35 in this game, and I don't think Cleveland can do that. Yeah, I think if I was Steve Spagnuolo, he's got a couple of – he had two weeks, of course, to prepare, only one week knowing that it was the Browns. But I think his key area to address would have been the run, stopping the run. Cleveland, as we know, um, they often rely on that running game, and Casey haven't been great stopping the run. That would have been that'll be their weakest element on defense. So, it'll be interesting to see if Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, and so on can burst the game over uh, the open. But if Casey start early, then it becomes uh, an element of Baker Mayfield having to throw the ball to keep the Browns in the game. And, and as much as I was impressed with the offensive's um, uh, performance last week, I'm, I'm not sure he can do that. Yeah, it feels like. I think this one is probably, I haven't checked the markets or anything, but I think this one would be the most one-sided. In yeah, terms I think of the line would be about 10 and a half or something, or maybe eight, nine and a half. 
don't know. So, yes, you'll be taking the Chiefs in this one, I presume. Yeah, definitely. And your pick is the third game. I'm going to go with Tampa Bay and New Orleans. I feel like you've got all the storylines here. Brady versus uh, Brady. Brady versus Breeze. Um, just the divisional matchup. It probably Breeze's last season. From all reports, it sounds like he's going to be done. I'd say so, yeah. This could be his last game. Um, I feel like Brady's going to play again regardless. But, yeah, it, it, this one's going to be interesting considering what New Orleans has done the first couple times these two have played, obviously winning 34-23 and then 38-3. So they've been two relatively one-sided games, but I feel like Tampa Bay has improved since then. They've gotten that sort of chemistry back that they've needed. Brady's had time to gel in this offense. Antonio Brown's really starting to get going. New Orleans didn't convince me last weekend that they're that good. I mean, Chicago were terrible and New Orleans still only put up 21 points on them. So I think this one's going to be a really close matchup. I'm not sure who's going to win it, but I think it's going to come down to the last drive. Yeah, I uh, in this game, I have to put all things aside and look at quarterback play. And I think undoubtedly... Tom Brady is playing better, and I'm sure you'd agree, playing better than Drew Brees. And I think when it comes to this stage of the playoffs, that, that's what matters most. These two def- these are defences that I think are quite similar. I think they're top 10 defences. Uh, I didn't catch enti- all of the Saints game last week, but from what you said, they weren't entirely convincing on the offensive side, but on the defensive side, they held uh, Chicago quite nicely. I think Tampa Bay on defence... Ball hawkish, they had the opportunity to pick off Breeze. I think if they can keep Kamara quiet, that's a big element of it. But at the end of the day, I, I, I'm backing uh, really the arm of Tom Brady over what is really a weak and, and ailing arm of Drew Breeze. Yeah, I think if Tampa Bay plays aggressively on defense, I think they win this game. If they try and force Breeze to throw deep and don't give him the underneath stuff, I think they win. Yeah, so also- that- sorry, go on. They've got to limit the turnovers as well. The, three, the two games that they've played against New Orleans this year, they turned mm. it over three times each. And yes. They don't have to in any other games. So if they limit the turnovers, play aggressively on defence, I think Tampa Bay wins this. Yes. Um, that game is the last game of the week. And Sunday, 6.40pm uh, in America. And that follows the Cleveland-Kansas City game, which is Sunday uh, at 305 PM on CBS, uh, PM on CBS Eastern Time. Last pick is mine, and I'm secretly quite chuffed with this because the two games I was tossing up between were Cleveland, Kansas City, and Baltimore, Buffalo, uh, which is the one I've been left with. Uh, again, Gordon, I'm sure you'd agree that it really is a testament to the quality of these games that this is the last game picked. I don't know about you, but I'm certainly looking forward to watching this game. Yeah, uh, definitely. I feel like these two offenses, they're so different in the way that they play. I mean, you've got uh, Buffalo, who's just all out throwing the ball, and then Baltimore, who is run first. And I don't know which one's going to come out on top on Sunday. I think it's going to be high scoring. I don't think either defense is going to be able to stop the other offense. So, yeah, this will be a very fun matchup to watch. Yes, I think... um... Oh, well, you always say this, but quarterbacks limiting mistakes. I think Jackson had that costly interception uh, last week, but from there he 
played pretty much flawless football. Josh Allen, and I think the entire Bills offense, if I'm Brian Dable, I'm not happy with their performance against the Colts. Um, it kind of went under the radar in the win, but I don't think they were all that good for most of the game on offense. Um, they started well, but they punted the ball uh, too many times. I think if I'm Brian Dable, obviously you want to be punting no times, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I think buried in all the, the euphoria of, you know, the first playoff win since 1995, I think they could have played better. Um, and it's not the best matchup. Baltimore's an aggressive defense, as we've mentioned. Uh, Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator, came out and said there will be a lot of pressure on Allen, and it's whether or not he's able to withstand that pressure uh, uh, and play well offensively that's going to be the key for me for this game with, with Buffalo on offense. Yeah, I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Buffalo came out and tried to really run the ball. He'd try and throw Baltimore's defense off. They'll be expecting a lot of passing, but... I really like Devin Singletary as a back and Josh Allen's got that running ability as well. So I'd expect a lot of designed QB runs and just a lot of running early. Try and keep the ball out of Lamar Jackson's hands. Don't let Baltimore's offense on the field. Yep. It's a fair point. Um, this game Saturday, 8, 15 PM Eastern time on uh, NBC, Al Chris Michelle up there in Orchard Park. I think this one's the hardest to pick. And speaking of picks, Gordo, let's go through the game's chronological order and give our scores and who's going to win for each game. We'll start with LA at Green Bay. I've got Green Bay winning pretty comfortably in the end, 31-17. to 17. Yeah, I feel like being a pessimistic Packers fan, I think this is different for me, but I'm going with the Packers 24-20. to 20. Okay, on two, as we just mentioned, Orchard Park. Uh, I toss and turn over this one for a long time. I think it's going to come down to a field goal. Tyler Bass, or I said this last week, uh, or Justin Tucker. And I'm going to take the Bills, 28-26. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go with you there again. I, I mean, I've said for the last few weeks that Buffalo is going to the Super Bowl out of the AFC, so I'm going to go with Buffalo 30-24. to In Kansas City. I've got the Chiefs winning 41-31. Yeah, I think that's about right again. Um, I'm going to take Kansas City 35-20. And closing out the weekend in the Big Easy, New Orleans. Uh, talking of Super Bowl picks, the start of the year, I had the Saints and the Chiefs going into the playoffs. I still had the Saints and the Chiefs, but I don't know. I, I think... Third time lucky for Brady and the Bucks. I got them winning on the road in New Orleans, thirty-three to thirty. Yeah, I think this one's the toughest one to pick here. So I'm going to say this one goes to overtime, and I'm going to take New Orleans just so New Orleans twenty-seven twenty-four by a field goal. Yes, scores from last week. I had four correct. You had three correct, I believe, Gordo. You took the Washington football team, and we both got. Um, Seattle and Pittsburgh uh, wrong on that end of things. That is correct? Uh, yeah, I think so. And your Super Bowl pick, we may as well revisit it right now, uh, is currently? It's the Bills coming out of the AFC, and I'm going to go with the Packers out of the NFC. And I'm going to go for... Uh, what? Oh, no. Why not? Change it just then and there. I've got the Chiefs, but... Don't like to say this. I'm going to go for the Bucks. I think they pull it off. I, I 
you're probably going to, being a Packers fan, you won't want to hear this, but I'll have the backs going up to Green Bay in the NFC Championship, getting the win. And Tony Romo said when the uh, Chiefs and Bucks played each other in Tampa earlier this year, he said the coverage, I've seen enough. These two teams will be back here playing for the Super Bowl in February. And you know what? I'm going to agree with him. Uh, but I think, you know, certainly a lot of good football ahead of us. Uh, our minds could change even next week. Uh, I think it's a great weekend of football, uh, and I can't wait to watch it, Gordo. Yeah, uh, one thing. If Tom Brady beats Aaron Rodgers in an NFC Championship game, you're not hearing from me for three weeks. Yeah, <laughs> all that. Yeah. yeah I might well. have a meltdown, but I wouldn't be ready for that. Exactly. It's he's been he's been in the other conference all these years, and the one time you've got a chance to go back to the first Super Bowl in a decade, Tom Brady comes back. It's just the way he rolls, I guess. Oh, well, thanks, Gordo, as always, for being here. Uh, the links to both our blogs are in the description. Thanks to Kevin McLeod for the music, the songs, Funkarama. Uh, and to all of you, have a good weekend watching football, because uh, we certainly will be. Okay, see you next week. Goodbye.